Hi, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. We're starting a study on the book of James. We're so excited about this. James is the brother of Jesus, and he wrote a short letter that is packed full of wisdom and really, really practical advice on how to live an authentic faith. And we're super excited about diving into this with you. Hey, y'all, and welcome back. I am so excited about this study on the book of James. Me too. I think it's going to be a really good one. Unlike some of the other books in the New Testament that are letters from Paul, this is a letter, as you guessed, from James, the brother of Jesus. It reads differently than Paul's letters, which I think is really cool. It's really direct and helpful and practical and full of wisdom. So we're really excited to dive into that. But because it's a brand new year, we wanted to just quickly take a second to like reintroduce ourselves in case we have any (laughs) new listeners or people who are like, wait, who are y'all and what do you do? So um, Anna, you kick us off. Okay. My name is Anna, um, Anna Butler, and I live in Richmond, Virginia with Everett, my husband, and we used to live in Athens, Georgia, which is how I became involved with As You Are, but I get to lead the podcast with Emily, and I do a lot of other logistical stuff for As You Are, Um, and Emily and I both get to travel around to the worship night, so if you're at one of the schools where we currently host worship nights, come and introduce yourselves to us because we would love to meet y'all. It's always fun um, meeting people who have been listening to the podcast. So come on and introduce yourselves. Yes. My name is Emily Harrison and I live in Athens. I'm married to Michael and I have Jones, my sweet little almost four-year-old son. And I got connected with As You Are, which, by the way, it's a group of Bible studies and community for girls started in Athens, Georgia at UGA, but has since expanded to six other schools. And so we're just really excited to see how God's moving through these Bible studies and through these worship nights and through these communities of girls who are willing to be honest and open and safe for each other and who have a desire to study God's word and get to know him better and walk with him. So yeah, I got involved originally because some of my friends who were leading a Bible study and helped start As You Are asked me to come lead worship for one of their worship nights and After that, I fell in love with this ministry, and so here I am. But we are your hosts for podcasts, which is kind of chats about everything from everything that you can think of, normalizing, talking about our faith and the Bible, and studying together, talking about subjects that might not come up naturally. Like last year, we did a study on anxiety, where or a series on anxiety, where We interviewed a Christian counselor who specializes in anxiety and um, I think also like confidence, identity, and like kind of personal growth. So she was just so incredible. So we talk about all different kinds of things, but we're super excited to study the Bible and have real conversations with y'all this year. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And we we started the year with a little um, one-off episode on prayer. We highly recommend going to listen to that. But for the next few weeks, we're going to be diving into the book of James. And we think it's going to be really good. James has a lot. <laughs> There's a lot to cover. Yeah, uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the first chapter today. But even within the first chapter, like we're going to 
highlight maybe one of the millions of things you could learn from this chapter. So we really encourage you all as we're walking through this book to study it yourselves. Yep. I'm going to open us in prayer and then we're going to read through chapter one. Jesus, I just pray right now for this time. Um, I pray for whoever is listening to this. Would you use this um, short little time in their day to learn more about you? God, I pray for Emily and I as we're talking through James. Uh, Lord, would you just reveal yourselves to us and to whoever's listening? Um, Jesus, we just say we love you and we trust you and we give you today. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm reading from the book of James, which is at the very back of your Bible. Um, There's only a few chapters after it, so it'll be easier to find if you flip from the back. This is James chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect in you, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and let the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises, its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away. And at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this 
to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. All right. <laughs> that was <Yes>. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you think about it, it's all of chapter one and it only took a couple minutes to read the whole thing. I mean, honestly, as you were reading through it, I was like, oh my gosh, we should talk about that. We should talk about that. We should talk about that. Because yeah. there really is so, so much in this chapter and in the whole book. And so this is only going to scratch the surface. As you can tell by the tone of, of this letter, it's intense and it continues to be intense but it's really really important so we're gonna kind of pause to give a tiny bit of background yep so like we said before james was the brother of jesus and throughout his life when he was growing up with jesus there's a lot of times where it's obvious that he doesn't believe in him. Mm -hmm. And then now after Jesus's death, he literally addresses the letter, not as the brother of Jesus, but servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So his ability to go from unbelief to belief, I just want to hear what he has to say. Um, Yeah. So basically we know that James is writing this letter to the Christians after Jesus's death and everybody, it says, in the dispersion. So everyone has sort of either by force or choice gone out to spread the word of Christ, like the gospel, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he rose from the dead and that he's here to save us all. Well, they're also dispersed because they were being persecuted. So they, they dispersed as a way to also like people were starting to be killed for their faith. And so the, like Christians kind of had not go into hiding, but like they had to like disperse to to protect themselves in a way. Yeah. So we have to remember that first when we're reading this letter, because he's writing a letter to people who are dying for their faith. And that's the suffering that he's talking about. He's trying to remind them and give them the strength to rely on their faith and see the persecution and the hard times they're going through as a way to strengthen their faith in the way that God's purifying them. So that's the lens we start with, and then we can sort of apply it to our own lives as well. So James is in Jerusalem as a major leader in the church after Jesus's death and resurrection, and he's important, and he's very committed to his faith, as you can tell. And so what I learned about kind of this letter is that he's drawing a lot from Proverbs and from the Sermon on the Mount. So... We just studied part of the Sermon on the Mount when we were talking about blessed are those, if you remember that series that we did at the end of last year. But it, you'll, you might recognize some of the language because he's pulling a lot from that sermon of Jesus's. So how this letter is laid out is an intro from James explaining who he is leading into the first chapter, which is an overview of the entire letter. So he has outlined each subject that he's going to cover. So if it sounded overwhelming to you, that's because it is only the outline. And today we're really just going to talk about the first couple of paragraphs and we'll get to a lot of those other subjects in the coming weeks. But specifically today, we're going to talk about trials and suffering. So James is saying, you are going to face these things in life And I want to help equip you to lean on your faith and 
rely on God in these moments and here's how we're going to do it. Yeah. So again, as we're looking through, there's a lot of things we could touch on, but we want to kind of highlight or double click, uh, specifically verses two through four. I don't know about for you, Emily, but as I was reading through that, those two verses really stood out to me and they, um, I think it's maybe because I've heard them before. Maybe they're familiar to y'all as well. I'll go ahead and read them. But it's, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Yeah. So count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. How many of you guys, uh, you know, when something hard happens in your life, your natural instinct is, oh, I'm really joyful about that. <laughs> Probably none. I know that I no, don't I. act that way. Yeah, no, I, I tend to, I mean, there's lots of obviously different trials and different levels of trials, but my heart's instinct is not joy. But I think what James is trying to do here is he's not trying to belittle the trials. He's trying to help us see beyond the trial. Um, the trial is, it's a, it's a now thing. Like it's what's happening in your life now. And James is reminding us like there's something beyond the right now. And the trials eventually like what he's promising is that the trials or testing of our faiths, they produce perseverance. And then perseverance leads us to be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Um, and ultimately, like that's only going to happen in and through Jesus. We're never going to be perfect while we live on earth. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying like, as we go through trials, the Lord is refining us and he yeah. is... Um, chipping away at the unnecessary. There's a, if any of y'all have ever studied abroad in Italy, like you should. <laughs> um, but I got to study yeah. abroad in Italy <laughs> my, after my junior year. And one of the museums there has the David, Michelangelo's David. We all know it very well. Huge, massive sculpture. Um, and it, it is beautiful. It's like, you can see the muscles on David and it's this like immaculate looking, sculpture and I was struck when I was there because yes the David is at the end of this long hallway but lining the hallway are all of these other marble slabs they're Michelangelo's unfinished projects and you can like in some of them you can see a face coming out of the stone and in some of them maybe you see an arm or a um an abdomen or a foot or a leg. And it's almost like these people are still trapped in the mm. marble. And I just remember as a junior in college, looking down that hall and seeing the David at the end and these figures on the side that are unfinished. And it almost felt like the Lord wants to chip away yep. at our hearts and our lives. He wants to chip away the unnecessary like if the marble slab wasn't chipped away at, it would just remain a marble slab and nobody would gaze at it and think, wow, what a masterpiece. Right. It would just be a big rock. <laughs> um, but because, because Michelangelo took the time to chisel away at these stones, now there's beauty that comes from them. Yep. But 
And it's also really cool because, like, he had to be so careful. Like, he couldn't just, like, come in with a bulldozer and smash something and be like, ha-ha, now it's a person. <laughs> like, the amount of craft and care that would have to go into shaping and molding these pieces of marble into people is insane. Yeah. And, and the amount of time, like, golly. And so, I don't know, that's a really helpful mental image for me, and it might only be that because... I was there, but I think that if we're able to look past the right now, knowing that the chipping away and the chiseling is painful and be able to know like that God is working all things for good, maybe that helps us. Maybe that can help. Yeah, that's so good. I feel like that's such a good overview of this passage about suffering and about trials Mm -hmm. if we want to break it down so that you guys might be able to kind of visualize what they're saying what james is saying here in chapter one he's basically saying what we're going to face how we're going to face it and who we're going to face it with so the first thing that we've talked about so far is we're going to face trials and suffering yeah which is something we need to hear. Yeah. Like we were talking about this before and Emily, you mentioned it, but our culture doesn't like we run from trial. Yep. Fast and far away. I know I do. Like if something's hard, poof. Right. We are taught by culture that we can kind of excuse ourselves. <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, right. Tim Keller said something really funny that I thought explained culture really well. He's like basically culture is not something really that's tangible. It's like if you ask a fish about water, they're like, I don't know what water is. I just live here. And so... How's the water? Yeah. It's like... I've heard that. Basically, our culture is just the environment that we live in. There's sort of these unspoken rules and feelings. And our culture is very Western, very comfortable. And for the most part, it does a really poor job of preparing us for the fact that there will be suffering in life. I think he's saying you are going to be better off if you prepare your heart for the fact that there's going to be suffering and you have everything you need because you're facing the suffering with Jesus. Yeah. So number one, what we face is trials, difficulty, tests, suffering, trouble. Two, how we face it is with this new perspective that he's offering, um, which is to instead of facing it the way that we experience it, so everybody experiences suffering with pain. That's how we feel. That's We don't like it. We try to get away from it. But he's saying, I would argue that if you can change your perspective, if you can implement a new perspective here and see the end result, what happens through trials, what happens to you as you're being chiseled into a masterpiece, you can see that through these things, God is making you, it says perfect here, but what I learned is that that word, the better translation is complete, like single-minded, like a whole-hearted person. You basically are becoming one, like more unified under the belief that God is the foundation for your life. So I love that. Like, it's a picture of what the church calls sanctification, where we're becoming more and more like God and more and more able to rely on Him. 
But it also says lacking in nothing. Like you have every single thing you need to face these trials. Um, But then at verse five, this is where it says uh, more of how we face it and how we kind of accept this new perspective. If any of you Mm -hmm. lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. And so I just want to remind you today that none of us, literally none of us, have the power to do any of this, to walk with God, to face suffering, to love others well. We only have that power through the power of God. (laughs) So through the Holy Spirit. So if you're forgetting to ask God for that wisdom and for that strength, you're kind of missing what it means to walk with God. This is not like an empowerment speech that he's giving, like, you got this girl. Right. Or like... Muster it up. Yeah. Or like... harder. The goodness is in you. It's like, no. This is the opposite of that. He's saying... Right. You cannot accomplish this in the flesh. And so, if you've forgotten that today, what a good reminder to just surrender, hold your hands open and say, God, I need the wisdom today. I need the strength today. I need your hope today. I need your perspective today. And he will give generously. And I love that it says without reproach. Like he's not, he's not mad at you for being needy. He wants you to be needy. And so the third is obviously we face it with him because he wants to be with us in this. Like that is my very favorite thing that I'm learning about God right now is just how close he wants to be just how involved he wants to be, just how much he wants us to recognize our need for him and truly lean on him and let him carry our burdens. We are not alone. And so it's just very, very important though to like remember to ask him because like I said before, and I just want to repeat this again and again to myself and to everyone, we don't have the power to do this in the flesh. We just don't. Yeah. We're only able. And I... I really love that right after he reminds us that we're going to go through trials, he points us right back to Jesus and says, ask him like he's, he's right there with you. He's walking through life with you and he wants to provide wisdom. He wants to provide strength. It says he gives generously and you're right. Like he could, James could have been like, all right, you're going to go through trials and here's what you'll do when you get to them. You know, like if, if you pray five times a day and, but he doesn't say any of that. He says, you're going to go through trials but you're not going to be alone and you're going to have the God of the universe by your side. And so turn to him. And I really, I do think that's such a great reminder, especially stepping into a new semester when it feels like there's a lot of unknown. Maybe you're a senior and you're like, I have no idea what my life's going to look like after May. Um, The comfort that we can take from that is, but you're not alone. And James is writing to a group of people who are being persecuted because they're Christians. Yep. We live in a culture that, you know, for the most part does not persecute or ostracize people for being Christians. It's pretty well accepted. So we're not going to face this same type of suffering because of our faith. I actually feel like in some places it's expected that you would be a Christian and there's no authenticity or support to back it up. Like in yeah. the South, I think that it's pretty, it's part of the vibe. 
<laughs> but it can lead to a lot of Christians living in a way that I think is counterproductive. James is talking a lot here about what it looks like to live an authentic faith. So I'm really excited about diving into that and what he says leads to an authentic faith. Right. Because when Christianity becomes surface level, it's just going back to what we've talked about a ton, rules leading to maybe changed behavior, but not a changed heart. The pressure and the idea that you should have it all together before you come to him or that you should know what you're supposed to do. It creates these Christians who are all pretending they have it together. Nobody actually does know what to do. And no one's reminding us that we only really have the ability to walk this walk if we're leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I just think it's such an amazing reminder that... We have to keep asking him for that wisdom. So that's where we're going to stop for today. We really want you all to focus on talking about what you feel like it looks like to live an authentic faith and where you felt pressures in your life or in your faith so far to pretend you have it together as opposed to being authentic and really relying on God. And we want to talk about trials that we're going to go through and facing them with God, asking for the wisdom that we need to handle those trials, and reflecting on and rereading this passage. I have been doing a Bible study on James that just talks about the most important thing that we can do is just meditate on the Scripture. So the more times you can read it, the better. The more times you can sit with it, the better. But also, if you don't have a chance to finish the questions or finish the podcast or whatever it is, still come to Bible study. We are just excited to have you there and excited to keep talking about this with y'all because this book is about walking in wisdom and it's about living an authentic faith and it's about facing the trials and the temptations that we're going to have in this life with God. So next week, we're going to have a part two to chapter one. And we're going to talk about the difference between tests of faith and temptations and sin. And we're going to talk about doubt. You might have noticed there was this section on doubt. So it's going to be some really good and helpful stuff. Make sure you tune back in. We are going to post some discussion questions on our website if you're interested in diving even deeper into the book of James. So be on the lookout for those. Um, And we'll see you next week. Bye. See ya.